Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we've got K.O., otherwise known as Karen Olivo, on the show from Northwestern University. We've had our eye on KO since as soon as they took the job as Northwestern is a truly unique program. Can I say truly unique? No, it's not to say very unique, but you know what I mean? It's a unique program I know many of you were hungry to hear about. And KO is an awesome artist in and of themselves, worthy of a whole episode. So truly a two-in-one experience in this episode. And look, I probably don't need to make this caveat I'm about to make. It's just when I listened back, I was like, maybe I need to say something. Hopefully regular listeners to the show will no doubt give me the benefit of the doubt. But when I introduce KO in their bio, I say they rightfully lost this Tony, but to the wrong person or something to that effect. And I'm, of course, referring to the fact that my wife was nominated in that same category and not that KO was not utterly deserving. I'm sure most of you would have inferred that. But just in case, my base is now covered. Uh, For those of you listening live, happy Chicago Unifieds. I'm really excited to see many of our MTCAers at the Palmer House and then at the Westin in LA this weekend. Please feel free to come up and say hi if you see me roaming the halls at either hotel. I will show you pictures of my daughter and hug you for being a listener before making you write a review on the spot. Uh, And for all of you, I'm so curious, did you enjoy our special episode last week? Uh, It was definitely one of our most quickly downloaded. Maybe just putting that word special in the title made you all curious. Um, But I hope for our current students, it was helpful to hear from some students who are in that exact same place you are right now. And of course, I am desperate for feedback, so let me know. I mean, we may or may not do more of those kind of odd episodes, live shows, etc. It's something we've talked about a lot. I'm just not sure how fun they are for you as listeners, or if you just want more of our standard episodes, you can let us know. Uh, For those of you who are listening live and about to walk into auditions as we speak, I'm going to give you a version of advice you've heard before. This is basically the entire past month's advice could all be boiled down to some version of like walk into the room with confidence. Um, and for those, the very few of you who read their, your actual emails, uh, this was also on our MTCA monthly newsletter. So for those who saw it there, you're going to get this advice twice. But the advice is this. I want you all to focus on being your own advocate. Focus on why it should be you and not all the reasons it shouldn't be. How can you show in your work and with the way you interact with the auditors, that you are the right person to be offered one of the slots in their school. If you can genuinely walk in the room and share your love of this art form, trust that you are enough and that you'll be a great asset to the right program, then it makes the audition experience one giant search for that right fit as opposed to this series of daunting tests. 
you're showing them what you have to offer and you're trying on for size what the schools offer in their conversations with you and in their possible adjustments with you if they give you adjustments as well as later on the process of course you're going to visit etc but don't let your excitement about a specific school place them too high above you in that experience of mutual exploration and fit finding that's happening on both sides again as opposed to it being a kind of one-way test where they are the ones judging you if you walk in the room desperate for them it can sometimes cloud their ability to see your most genuine and authentic artistry and prevent them from meeting the real you. To me, an audition is always a win if you show up fully as yourself in your body with your spirit. Even if you flub a line in the monologue or you crack in your song, if they get to meet the real you, then they have all the information they need. But if I walk in and I'm kind of shellacked and I, maybe I show a version of myself that wasn't my best because I was trying to show them what I thought they wanted to see, that's when I always end up kicking myself after an audition. For me, that almost always comes from a lack of preparation in an audition. If I feel like I've not prepared enough, then it's really hard for me to let go and be easy and be myself in the room. But I know that's not true for any of you. You've been working on these pieces for months. You know what you're doing. So walk in with that confidence that all I've got to do is show myself. It may be worth reminding yourself of the event that is actually happening here in these audition rooms, in these specific rooms, which is that you, the customer, are seeking a place of education where you're going to spend lots of money with or without scholarships. The school is making lots of money off of this experience in order to train. So you are the customer and ultimate decider here, not them. Yes, they do have the power in this moment to say no thank you or to waitlist you or to accept you. Right In that little moment, they have the power. But in just a few short weeks, that's going to be you. I mean, it is an amazing thing that happens once those first few acceptances trickle in, where all of a sudden, after months and months of the schools feeling like they have all the power, it shifts to you with the decision to make of where you're ultimately going to attend. If you can, try to bring some of that future confidence into the room with you of who you're going to be in those few short weeks. Of course, and we've said it before, you could take this too far. If you walked into the room with an attitude, you weren't joyfully engaging with them and you projected this idea of like, hey, why should I even think about going to this school? Why don't you pitch me? Huh? Of course, that would be too far and that would be a big problem. But for the vast majority of you, that is not the issue I see most often. Too often, our students lean toward what I call loud humility and too much meekness. You're going to hear K.O. talk about it in the interview. They are looking for collaborators in their students, and that is true for all programs. You're not exactly going to be like equals in an audition room, right? As you're still listening to them behind the table and, and following a room that they're running. But you can act as you would as a student in that school, right? A healthy respect for your professor behind the table, but an engaged advocacy for yourself as a learner with your own point of view and your own artistry to contribute. This is different than being a white blank page or a chess pawn to be moved about the board, right? Which our nerves and our eagerness can sometimes turn us into as we seek openness. You can be open and flexible without being empty. So I invite all of you as much as you can, engage with the genuine experience you're having in the moment, show up for yourself and advocate for yourself, and please try to have as much fun as humanly possible with the experience. The best auditions are, in fact, fun. I love you all, and I hope you enjoy this interview with K.O. from Northwestern. Well, we are so excited to have K.O., the artist formerly known as Karen Olivo, on the podcast. Uh, Karen has a BFA from CCM, uh, originally was Vanessa, or I should say originated the role of Vanessa in In the Heights. They were Anita in West Side Story, for which they received a 2009 Tony Award, uh, originated Satine in Moulin Rouge. 
for which they rightfully lost the Tony uh, Award for Best Actors in a Musical, but they lost it to the wrong person, I feel, sadly. Um, uh, they've also done lots of excellent TV stuff. Uh, they've taught at uh, CCM before becoming the director of the Musical Theater Certificate at Northwestern. Northwestern is located in Evanston, Illinois. They offer a, a theater major or minor, dance major or minor, and then a music theater certificate, which we'll get into some of the specifics of this unique program. KO, welcome on the pod. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I just had a really big lunch, and so I'm feeling energized. I just had a really big lunch. I just scarfed it down right before you came on. So we're going to be in the similarly sated place, hopefully. Um, before we get to all things Northwestern, and I really want to talk about Northwestern and the student experience, I'd love just to hear like what attracted you to this program. Uh, I know in recent years, both you and the great Alex Gemignani, two Broadway luminaries, joined the faculty. And both of you, obviously, huge gets for Northwestern. And I think both of you could have taught almost anywhere. What attracted you to Northwestern specifically? Why did you choose this school? Funny enough, when I was doing, uh, I opened Hamilton in Chicago. So I lived here mm-hmm. um, in the Chicago area for about 11 months. And when I was doing that, um, the previous director of the music theater certificate program asked me if I wanted to teach a class at Northwestern. Uh-huh. And so I utilized my only free Friday morning to teach um, a group of students. And so I had already had a relationship with Northwestern in that way. And what I recognized was that the students coming out of Northwestern uh, were pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really great minds and critical thinkers and usually could do many things. And so it was always on my radar. And I've, you know, I've taught at different institutions and when uh, I decided to transition out of te- uh, being an actor full time, mm-hmm. this was one of the places that showed up. And yeah, it kind of ticked the boxes in terms of the kind of artist that one needs to be to be a, uh, a creator. Yep. Well, let's get that parlays perfectly into, you know, having seen other theater interested students and seeing some BFA students, et cetera. How do you think a Northwestern student is different and distinguishable from other MT interested students? Like what kind of student do you feel like ends up choosing Northwestern over a CCM or a Michigan or a Carnegie Mellon or name whatever school? I'll be frank. I, I find a lot of students that wanted to go to BFAs, but their parents would not allow them to. That's who chooses Northwestern. No, not always, but I, uh-huh. see, I see a lot of students like that. That's a happy also, medium. Make, make everyone I, happy. I get my exactly. focus, but you get your academics, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then I also see the student who is interested in the musical arts, but also is interested in something else and is uh-huh. already rather successful at something else. And so they uh-huh. want to be able to work on them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And because Northwestern has a really rigorous academic line, it is, it's just an obvious choice for that type of student. Yep. Yep. I can think one of my, my classmates who ended up going to Northwestern, I think double majored in theater and poetry because she was also yeah. this awesome poet. I'm like, that's a cool thing. You can't get that at every school or not at this level. You know? Sounds um, about right. Yeah. Well, can we dive into this unique supplemental video and how it's used? Um, I think this is probably the most frequently asked question we get at MTCA about any single school on our list. I think we get this question and all the different versions of like, what is it? How it's used? Should they do it? Will it help them get in? Will they be assured of a place in their certificate program if they do this video. So if we talk about this, we'll get into the admission a little bit more in the second half, but just how the how the the basics of 
you get into Northwestern, you can send this supplemental video in, and then you'll audition for the certificate, sort of how that works. I think it actually works the other way around. I think you, you supply the supplemental as you are um, applying yep. to Northwestern. And I should say, I, I'm going to answer some of the questions that you obviously just sort of... And I'll give them you one by one if it's too much, if you need a reminder. No, 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 I think I'm... I, I'm you well, you know, Great. Yep. You'll keep me honest. Yeah. Um, doing the supplemental does not guarantee you a place right. in, uh, in the certificate program. Um, what I can say is that it is a, a really valuable tool for an institution that is not uh, allowed to recruit. Uh-huh. And we don't audition to get into the theater, uh, the theater program. Yep. So it is an incredible tool for those of us who, uh, who teach in the music theater certificate program to get a better sense of the type of person that you are and yep. what you're doing. I'm really sort of in my new phase here. I'm really looking at finding students um, as they're coming out of high school and sort of gauging uh, where they're trying to go and then being able to be honest about whether or not we have the capacity to get them to where they want to go. It is like a, a, a meeting of you tell me what you think your potential is. And then from a professional and educational standpoint, I look and I think, okay, these are the tools that I think I could give you. And also you probably don't know how much potential you have. So, so it's a really good tool and I would encourage students to do it. But so, but do tell me so, and and maybe I said it wrong, but, but to to correct me, if this is my, my understanding is incorrect, that the kind of uh, impetus for the supplemental video, and I know this is how our students often use it, is to potentially not only give you a window, but potentially give the students a window into what their fit in the MT certificate program might be, knowing they're going to have to choose to attend Northwestern, not knowing for sure that they're in that program. I mean, a lot of our, you mentioned the kind of student who maybe is in that Mom wants more academic, but I want more of a rigorous musical theater thing. I am academic. Obviously, I'm applying to Northwestern. A huge percent of our students apply to the school, but then often have that decision between Northwestern and CCM. And yeah. they might say, if I know for sure I'm in the certificate, Northwestern's a better fit. But but is that right that that's, that's sort of the intention is for them to understand it? And I guess, how does that communication work with you then in terms of communicating what you've seen and what their chances are? I know you, they might not get a you're 100% in, but how does that communication happen? Um, I will say that there is a component. I, I want to go back to one thing that you said, which is fit. Um, there is not a fit in terms of our certificate program. So what we're looking for uh, really has to do with an individual artist who has uh, a really good concept of what their skill set is mm-hmm. and who's also willing to grow. So yeah. there is not a mold. There's not a type of student that would fit into the certificate program. I will say that also the audition process itself, you know, I I understand that they're putting out a lot of tapes. They're doing a lot of auditioning. That that entire exercise is is actually a marker for us, right? Mm -hmm. So when I see someone who's who's been doing this and you can tell that they've been doing it a lot and they go to to do the material and they've not dropped in and they're not able to connect to the material and they're not finding joy in doing the material, then what that tells me is like, this is a person who's gonna struggle Uh in creating a new space for themselves artistically, Uh right? And so I, I think the intentionality when people approach the supplement 
if they could do that, that would get them really far in terms of us, them being on our radar. Uh And then the moment that they come here, if they choose to come to Northwestern, we immediately start trying to engage with you your first year. So you're, you're getting to know our faculty. We're getting to know you. We're seeing how you come in. Um, I can tell you a little bit more how we do that in some of the things that I created, but I feel like that's the way to look at the supplemental. And I would say, honestly, that personal statement is the most important thing because skill is not something, I mean, you come to school so you can learn. So I'm not expecting you to be a triple threat. I, I honestly, I would prefer for you to have almost a base knowledge of the musical arts so that Uh you can build a lot of different ways into it. Cause that Uh makes you a more dynamic artist. So if that. It's so well said. Totally. And I guess maybe what you're speaking toward is, you know, if a lot of our musical theater students are doing a common pre-screen requirements of many different schools and you feel like you're just kind of getting a pre-screen that they sent to all the other schools and it doesn't feel like, hey, I was investigating what Northwestern's asking for and I was showing up alive in this this video for you, but just doing it as another one of their many things. You're saying you can kind of feel that. You go, that might not be a Northwestern student. That feels like you're just adding this on because mom told you to. I mean, this is the thing. You can't kid a kidder, right? Like this is my, this is my field. So I've done self tapes. I know, I know. (laughs) So I think that there's, you know, and I also, I want to say, I know that there is a huge push for students to apply everywhere. And that Mm -hmm. is so stressful. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from a lot of first years coming in. And what I would say is if the material, if you feel like you've done a good tape and you feel like you were dropped in and you want to keep utilizing that for a lot of places, that's great. I'm not saying make a completely different one for Northwestern. What I'm saying is if you're going to use that personal statement in a way that is stock, it does you a disservice. Yes. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Even if they're repeating the same songs that they might have used for other schools, they're going to really, if to show up to Northwestern really with that personal statement of what is specific to the program and are they alive in it or are they just reading bullet points that dad wrote out on a cue card back there or whatever. Which is uh, very sweet, but- Very it, sweet, dad. We appreciate tell. it. Yeah. Um, do you recommend that all students uh, uh, submit a video? And I guess related to that, can it affect artistic admission or does it affect academic admission if you really love a student artistically would that help then you maybe reach out to admissions and say hey if this person's close academically they're awesome i'd love to have them uh i don't think that i have that much power (laughs) unfortunately i think you do and all the parents think you do just tell them you do no i'm just kidding you know i I, really the thing i I think the thing that's most important for a student to know is if you get into Northwestern at that point, that's when we can truly engage. That's when you engage. Yep. Yeah. And this is, I will, I'm going to be very honest with you. Having watched supplementals for last year, when students came to Wildcat Welcome, which is like the first week, I immediately, I picked them out of a crowd because I had Uh already watched their work Uh and and I was able to engage with them and say, what are you working on now? How, you know, what was your summer like? It already starts the relationship before they get here. Yep. Yep. And do you have a sense of like, I know you're not going to give me an exact uh, chance. Of course, this is, I'm just speaking toward our, our nervous parents and students who, you know, would be so excited about Northwestern, but who would not be excited if they didn't get into the MT certificate. Do you have a chance, a sense of like, hey, that was a great supplement video. We started a good relationship. What are my chances then of potentially not getting into the MT certificate? Is that still a, a high likelihood? Well, uh, this is part of the way that I'm structuring the certificate is that there are a lot of things that used to be hidden behind the firewall of only Mm -hmm. getting into the certificate. And 
I'm broadening the access to a lot of that, uh-huh. that destruction. So it, there is a chance for you to come to Northwestern um, with the hopes of getting into their certificate. Uh-huh. And you come in, you try out, it doesn't work out. We're uh-huh. not a good fit, but then you still get to- You still get the classes. You still get classes. Uh-huh. It's not the but binary, you're in or you're out and then you have to be a- yeah, no, 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 no. I really do feel like that is sort of a scarcity model. I feel like when you're at an institution like Northwestern that has so much to offer, um, narrowing the field in that way actually does us a disservice as an institution. So really broadening it. If you get into Northwestern, great. You're going to be able to do lots of things. And if music theater is the thing for you and you like us and we like you, then great. Then you could go and do something else that would be a little bit more focused, but you will do music theater if that's what you want to do. I love it. And boys, when you talk about scarcity model, you just describe all of American academia right now. It's just sort of like, how can we improve our own stock by limiting our seats? And it just feels like a kind of messed up system in in many ways. Um, That's another podcast maybe. And of course, we're going to focus on the MT certificate, of course, because that's what you run. And I think the majority of our students and listeners are looking toward that more specialized musical theater training. But I also... In as much as you know about the broader theater major at Northwestern, we have lots of students who would look and who wouldn't feel like if I don't get into the MT certificate, I'm devastated. They might be looking at Northwestern specifically going, I want to major in theater at this great school Mm -hmm. and something else and double major and all those things. Um, But can we talk a little bit about the curriculum? And I know you said you mentioned making some changes. The curriculum of the four years, or I shouldn't say four years of the certificate, the three years of the certificate, but but just basically how how the training is going to work. Um, you know, how the artist is going to show up and you say, and acquire more skills and sort of what is the pedagogy that we're seeing over the the course of your time at Northwestern? Yeah. So I can tell you right away, um, it is still in flux. We are still working on it. Um, primarily because we already have a lot of students in the pipeline. So we are, you know, we're contractually obligated to make sure that they get the thing that they signed up for initially. But in the redesign, what we're looking at is truncating the time that they sent, they spend inside the certificate and mm-hmm. having them experiment wildly their first and their second year. Mm-hmm. And so that's by offering them different opportunities, like something that is not a part of the curriculum, but it is something that is a part of the certificate program that you can be a part of without having to get into the certificate is that every quarter we do a pathways workshop, which is on the weekend, we take the morning, um, faculty members create workshops, and then you sign up and then we make art together. Mm-hmm. That's a very important portion of the trajectory of a student who wants to work in music theater mm-hmm. at Northwestern and specifically with the certificate program. I, I will, I'll be very frank with you. I'm not interested in creating cookie cutters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have a, uh, I wouldn't have had a career and wouldn't have a career had I, I followed the model of you should uh-huh. be a dancer because you're tall. <laughs> you know what I mean? What I'm interested in is the student who has the mind to be a creator and who also either writes music, sings, dances, Mm -hmm. acts, all of these things. And so it really is the school of Northwestern is built for multi-hyphenates. And what we're looking to do is support the multi-hyphenate artist. So the 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 pedagogy is going to lean much more towards experimental things. You will get the fundamentals, but then it will be a little bit more about like, how are you looking at art? How do you want to innovate art? Uh And how can we supply you with tools and a fertile ground? So the things that you want to experiment with, you can do so while you're here. 
That totally makes sense. And but when you said truncate, you mean that it might in the in the flux, and again, you don't have to reveal anything that's not final or anything. But in the flux, that it might be only a two years of certificate. Or is that that's what you mean by truncating? Yeah, I mean it's only a nine credit. I, I don't know if you know this, but the mm -hmm. certificate, you, there are nine things that you have to complete and then you mm -hmm. have a certificate. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is be really intentional with those things are, uh -huh. and then provide outside of that classes that you don't have to be in, in the certificate to right. engage with. So, Because what we do find is when you enter into the certificate almost right away, when you get to Northwestern and you see that there are so many other things, your focus can shift. Uh-huh. And then you're stuck inside a certificate program. Uh -huh. And we do see students who stay the course and they know when they get out, they're just going to be a composer. They're not going to stand on a stage uh -huh. and do one specific thing. Uh -huh. um, the, or they want to be, they want to really lean into their multi-hyphenness and like be an artistic director. So it doesn't really service a student for them to pick right away. And for that, and you're saying for that student to need X amount of credits of dance, if you go, I want to do musical theater, but I might not be this kind of a dancer and that might not be what interests me. You might have a student take a lot of dance or less dance. Is that a fair understanding of, of kind of what you're saying? Oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to that. I mean, I think that every single student is vastly different. And I think this is the other thing. It's a moving target. So mm -hmm. one year a student comes in and they are ready for X, Y, and Z. And then they have a summer and they come back and they're completely different. So that's wow. why having flexibility in the certificate and having uh, a smaller amount of students that are are basically going to be helping, we're gonna help them chart their course, but they're gonna be dictating along the way is a smarter model. Um, yep. When you have far too many of them, you can't keep your eye on them and you can't support them. Yep. Totally makes sense. And and I think you've kind of answered my next question, which is about the actors who are, you know, if you're a non-musical theater actor, but you want to take some music theater related classes, again, maybe you're an actor singer or you're, you're interested, is that the kind of thing that now would be open to me as a theater major? I would have more of those classes open to me yeah, absolutely. Around my time at Northwestern. Very cool. Yeah. Um, let's talk, we talk a little bit about sort of preparing students for the launch into the business. I think you're you're already right on the right track with the idea of them being multi-hyphenates and certainly the business is embracing that more and more. We hope, we knock on wood, that continues. Um, but what what are they doing in terms of preparing for meeting agents and managers and casting directors? And, you know, we talk about like the showcase process. How does that work uh, at Northwestern? Uh, right now, it's the model that it has been for a while. I keep sort of uh, trying to innovate it slowly, but, you know, change is hard. Yep. And I think that a lot of people are afraid that if they don't have the showcase model that we built probably when you and I were back at school, our jewel tone dresses and our 16 bars. I had a great jewel tone dress, let me tell you. I'm sure really you had a tie that, that was a colored tie. Was it... <laughs> Or like, oh, oh no! Did you have black a black pants and a and like a purple shirt? <laughs> purple shirt, my God! Well, now in fairness, I was a non musical theater actor, so I was much more serious. It was more actor blacks for me back in the day. Got but, you, got you, got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So I think that there is a model that exists where um, it's kind of like a pug, uh, a so you plug people in and then yep. they do their bit and then they go away. Yep. And because the students that come here, a lot of them start to dabble almost immediately in um in composition they write their own music they're writing scenes the the model that i'm trying to push towards is to have us help them develop that work and then that is the thing that they showcase with uh -huh. so it's it leaning away from this um sort of it feels like a cattle call and i you know we keep having to do it because cur currently that's what's happening right. but i also think you know 
between you and I, I think that going to New York and doing a showcase where you're you're using a lot of resources to get yeah. there, and it's already a really stressful situation. Yeah. Now that we have the digital age, yeah. it's probably best for you just to tape a really good, wonderful, yeah. you know, presentation, your showcase, and then send it. Be intentional and send it to the places that you want it to yeah. be. Um, but you know, if we could incorporate more original work. Mm-hmm. Then what we're doing is, I don't like the word package, but we're we're setting the student up in a place where they've been studying and they've been preparing to be a content creator. Uh-huh. And it also offers the student a lot more avenues of engagement professionally because they are not beholden to getting the audition and someone giving them the opportunity to work. Yep. They leave the institution being someone who can generate their own work yep. and who can also step across the table. Yeah, yep. I may be able to write a musical and I might be able to sing and star in it. But if I wanted to just write a musical, yep. now I'm on the other side. That also leads me into getting points. That yep. also, I mean, there's so many other things. When we yep. change the model of how we showcase the student, we actually can open up the way that they're introduced to the industry. And hopefully we can innovate how students are um, are being utilized in that way. Because I don't think that there's a lot of agency in the other way. Yep. That's really cool. So you're talking about if a continued live showcase happens in the same format, instead of being a song and a scene or whatever, whatever, whatever it might be that there's a multidisciplinary showing that's happening. And maybe you're inviting people that are not just agents and managers for performers, but maybe there's literary agents, maybe there's whatever, that there's other more creative ways to approach that, that showcase process. Yeah, there are more creative ways. Indeed. I will say last year is a perfect example. Um, Instead of us doing the sort of stock, everyone sort of walks up and they do, they do their 32 bars or whatever, uh-huh. and they, or maybe they do an opening number and a closing number and everyone sort of plugs in. We were really intentional about students finding material that either they had written themselves uh-huh. or they could play a lot of uh-huh. our, the students at Northwestern are musicians. And so we had people playing guitar. We had people playing the piano. Um, uh, percussion, and then also a lot of self-generated work that mm-hmm. was able to be showcased, not to mention a handful of students who are actually, will be directors, I have no doubt, yep. were able to craft things. Uh-huh. And so they worked on musical staging. And so they were able to showcase the breadth of their work uh-huh. in in one showcase. So cool. So and, and really embracing, you know, Northwestern is a unique school in so many different ways. You certainly talked about the admission process and we'll do more of that too. But um, yeah, it's just what is unique about these students that is not true of every other student. It's really cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about the, you know, we mentioned some of the outside of the theater uh, um, school, some of the other opportunities that you'll get at Northwestern. And, you know, it's certainly a school that people have heard of already. So it's not like people are like, oh, I've heard they have football. They have, like, we know those things to some extent. But well, what are some of those other academic pursuits that um, you, you find your students really engage in or other social pursuits? Or what else does people really use in terms of utilizing Northwestern as a whole university? Well, I know that there's a really robust uh, playwriting program here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of students do theater for young audiences, which is uh-huh. a wonderful way to cut your teeth on being a content creator because you're not thinking about trying to create something that is like highly complex. What you're trying to do is simple themes in, in the best way possible, you know? Yep. Um, I think that there's also, you know, Stuco. There is a very large student-driven um, content creating, like, it's like a, its own world where yep. students uh, 
are on di in different theater companies and they they generate their own work. That's really big. If that's something that if you don't necessarily, um, if you want to just do avant-garde theater and you want to uh -huh. just, you want to try to be a lighting designer for the first time, that's like a place that you can just go do that. Uh -huh. um, I would also say that I what I'm finding, and this should be stated, the movement, and I'm going to say movement specifically and not dance, uh -huh. but the the way that movement works now, the that whole curriculum has been overhauled. So uh -huh. really we're we're leaning into the world of like um, critical dance theory. We're uh -huh. those things and broadening the scope, it's not just like ballet, tap, and jazz. Mm -hmm. It really just goes into sort of the origins and the fundamentals of that. And so if you're someone who is a really strong mover, and at one point you think that you may transition out of being a performer because uh -huh we have to at some point and you uh -huh. might want to teach or you might want to be a dance instructor or something of that nature. That's like another way that you can start. You're almost like setting yourself up for the transitional uh -huh. period uh -huh. by, by engaging in some of those classes. So cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, and now you keep using the phrase content creation. Is this um, uh, on purpose that this sounds like making a TikTok video? Are you, are you trying? Cause I keep hearing like you mean to, cause you just mean content. You don't mean content creation. Like, like they're, you know, they all live in a house together and they all make TikToks or whatever. That's not what we're describing at Northwestern. No, I am not. No, I am not um, hoping to build the next TikTok sensation. <laughs> I mean, well, we're talking with a pot about we're, we're not the right people to be making TikToks. You and I, I mean, that that's wrong. I'm make a lot of money, but I don't think you want to do that at Northwestern. Yeah, no, um, not right. for the amount of money that you would have to pay. Yeah. I will say this: when I say content creator, I'm actually thinking of like my buddy Lynn. I think uh, Lynn Manuel is like someone who was like at school, who had lots of resources in front of him, saw uh, an area in which he could he could uh, utilize his skills in a yeah. place that was not being utilized, and then moved into that space. Yeah. That takes that takes a lot of support. Yeah. Um, and it, you, you have to be brave. And so that's what I'm thinking of. The student who doesn't recognize that they could be the next, yep. um, that's what I'm looking at. I love it. Well, you, the, this week, our podcast was with Tom Kitt. We were talking about that. And also kind of talking about the confidence of like, what makes you say that you're somebody who can just go, I'm going to write a musical. I'm going to do like, I think a lot of 18 year olds, that's, there's a leap to go. What am I? Who am I to be able to create that? And that you need some place or someone or somehow someone says, yes, you go do it. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, let's talk about just where your students come from. So just uh, in a rough sense, do you feel like how many students are in the sort of Midwest versus all over the world versus different parts of the country? And then I also want to hear a little bit about where do you think they end up in terms of how many go to New York, Chicago, L.A., et cetera? Oh, we have students from all over the place. Uh-huh. It is, um, yeah, it's scattered all over the place and um, a fair amount of international students as well. Yep. Uh, for me to give you numbers, it would just, I mean, I would be lying, truly. Yep. What about that other question? Because I do know Northwestern often has a pretty good, I mean, plenty of them, of course, come to New York City too, but has a, a nice stranglehold sometimes on the Chicago market. How much, how many of the students you feel like end up making a career in Chicago or stay um, in that area versus how many feel like New York City, how many LA? I mean, again, just rough sense of-, of Oh, that. I would I would say, well, I can only, I've only had one graduating class that I've been in contact with. And um, what I know is that 
being close to Chicago, you understand the Chicago scene. Mm -hmm. The Chicago scene, I think, is a little bit more forgiving than New York is. I think New York is a little bit more commercially driven. And because I did it, it takes you a period of time to actually break in. In, At Chicago, Chicago, we have a little, we have more resources. We have more like storefront theater. There are ways that you can immediately come out of school and start working. So I do see a lot of students stay here and really cut their teeth uh-huh. on making things and building their resume and then transitioning if they want. Yeah. Um, I also see, I've seen a bunch of students decide to go straight back home and work regionally too. Yeah. So oh. I think that that's the other thing. I I, I, I don't want to, to say that every single student who wants to do the musical theater arts should go to New York because I don't necessarily think that works for everyone. Uh-huh. I don't think it's sustainable as well. Um, I do think that being in a city like being as close to Chicago, you get to understand what it would be like to be in a city mm-hmm. that is centered around making art. Because mm-hmm. I really feel like Chicago, that's its heartbeat right now. Um, yeah. So you get the opportunity to do that. And sometimes people fall in love with it. Yep. And they want to stay. And that's wonderful. Because yep. um, Chicago is a pretty fantastic place to live. Sure is. Okay, you mentioned it already, the spending this much money to be a TikTok creator, but let's talk about cost just in terms of Northwestern obviously is not a cheap school. Our rough Googling says the tuition is about 63000 a year. That's a sticker price. Do you have a sense, of course, I don't expect you to be the financial aid department, but do you have a sense of like what most of your students actually end up paying um, and, and sort of how scholarships work, like in terms of um, how merit scholarships work, how need scholarships work. Is that something that you interact with at all? Or do you have a sense of sort of what your your students end up actually paying? I have a zero clue. I do inquire if, um, if, there, is, if there is a need for something. Uh-huh. If it seems like they're not able to do something or they they can't buy something, then I would just like see if they need support. But in terms of what they actually pay, I know I've heard students talk about that it is a, a huge sticker price. Um, and I would say I have also heard, and don't quote me, but that most students who do get in get some form of assistance. So it is not the full price, um, but yeah, you would have to probably... And, but all that's coming from the academic merit. It's, it's not like that you're ever watching a supplemental video and you're going, this kid is so good. There's, oh, could I help a little artistically with this? No. Sadly, no, because that would sort of be in the lane of recruiting. And, if I was able you to have say no this, power is what we're learning about this. You have no power to admit. You have no friend, you're powerless. Friend, no power. I, I The power that I have is to support an, an emerging artist once they get to me. You can't hold on to that Tony Award and just like suck some extra power from Antoinette. There's nothing to be done. She only spins. That's all she does. That's it. Well, yeah, we have a Grammy in the bathroom and it does nothing to help me in there either. Um, All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break and we're going to talk a little bit more about the admissions process um, and a little bit the audition process, that sort of special audition when you're there, when we're back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Okay, we are back with KO from Northwestern. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that audition and the absolutely nothing that you have to do with the admission process, as we've learned. Um, but let's talk about that audition. And, you know, I, I really, obviously, when you talk, you say you can't kid a kidder. And boy, do all the students know that they're auditioning for somebody who has done it and knows exactly what they're going through and all that. Can we just talk about, so that audition for the certificate, sort of what that process of the live audition looks like, what you're looking for, what makes you want to say, yes, I want to uh, let that person in, in terms of that live uh, audition. Well, I'll say two things, and this goes back to the supplemental. I I just don't want anyone to get, uh, I don't want anyone to stress out about the supplemental. Truthfully, if you put in a tape that um, where you're just being a human being who's enjoying making art, that is, that's really all it, it is. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be, you know, this is the only thing that I will ever do for the rest of my life. So it must be perfect. A matter of fact, if it's too perfect, sometimes it's just like, I don't understand why you want to come here. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you know what you're I mean? On Broadway, um, you're done. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and then to speak to what the, the certificate audition is, that has recently just changed since last year. I, I recently just changed that. And before it was just like a song, a monologue, and then you had a dance call and then that uh-huh. was it. And what I recognized was that that doesn't, that only services students who are used to auditioning. Uh-huh. And what it doesn't do is it doesn't speak to potential and it doesn't speak to people who might have stage fright, who I am one of those people. Um, so we've included, it also leaves out, I should say, most importantly, it leaves out the student who wants to engage in musical arts, but doesn't necessarily want to be a performer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because so you so still would be appropriate for the music theater certificate program if you are not a performer. If you're yeah. someone who goes, I might be a composer, director, yeah. you're still, and, and if you're doing a dance call, how am I going to show that up? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah. it, it, that I think that's another thing that we were losing a lot of incredible talent because uh-huh. there were a handful of hurdles that they could not cross. Yep. So now what it is, is you're able to, you could... You could uh, showcase a manuscript, you could sing in a group, you could, this is to sort of capture the the orchestrators. Um, And also for someone who's not comfortable singing by themselves yet, (laughs) because I I, want to remind everyone that like, yes, Northwestern is like an an elite school, but we are here to teach people. And so you may be someone who thought that you were going to be pre-med your entire life. And all of a sudden you turned a corner and you're like, I'm in love with music and you should have the opportunity to come and train. And so we're really trying to broaden the way that we, um, we sort of assess people. Um, We look at, we'll sit down and we have a conversation with you. Yep. Talk about where your goals are. Then we actually take what we know that we're going to be programming and we try to match them together to see if we, we, we can give you the thing that you need. Uh So it's a little bit less of we've put the stamp on you and now you're smooth sailing. Yeah. It really has to do with I'm looking for a student who understands where they are, has an idea of where they want to go, is able to be um, can take adjustments, who's not so like uh, solidified in the right, 
quote unquote way of doing it, who is willing to take risks because that's the person who's going to sit down one day and say, oh, I should write a musical. Yeah. Or you know what? I never thought of doing this. I'm going to do my one person show. Like yeah. that's that person. Yeah, totally. Well, and I often ask, you know, especially the BFA auditions, I ask like, what, what percentage do they think is about the skills scene versus the human being, the intangibles, all that stuff? Sounds like a huge percentage for you is the intangibles. Is there anything you're looking for skill-wise that you would say, oh, if they don't have this, it's going to be tricky, or I'm, I'm especially looking for this kind of skill or at least a skill? H how are you evaluating that kind of thing, you know, in terms of potential maybe uh, for growth? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of... It's across the board. We have a really wide sort of uh, a wide rubric. So I would say that some people who come in and who have been trained, we're looking at them and we're saying, okay, you've, oh, I should, this is, this is actually the most important part. I'm so sorry I didn't say this. You fill out questions. There's like a bunch of questions. So you tell us a lot about yourself before you enter the room. We read these, like they're almost like mini essays. We read them. We make notes about them. So we mm -hmm. understand what you think you do well and how you've been working. And then when you come into the room, we have backstory because you've uh -huh. given us backstory. Uh -huh. So then that factors in because then we can we can see what you say, what you say you've been working on and then what you can show in the room. Uh-huh. That also gives us the opportunity to maybe, if you didn't show it in the room, give you an adjustment to see if you can. And then that shows us the potential for growth. That shows us someone who maybe has nerves, but yep. who can do the thing, but might need support. So yep. we're, we're looking at someone who is um, able to grow as an artist, who's not someone who is who will regurgitate something that they've learned, someone who embodies the thing. Yep. Um, who's still finding joy in it and who wants to innovate. Yep. And I push on the innovate primarily because as someone who's done it for 25 years, I can't believe it. There's a lot of power on the other side. So true. Uh, I love that. It's, what a cool uh, audition experience too. It feels like you're kind of stepping right into a callback or something. It's like they, they already know you enough. They go, I've already seen, I know, I know what I'm looking for. And I get, get to push and prod. And I've had that happen before with casting directors. They're like, uh, Charlie, maybe show them this thing that you actually do really well. I don't know what you're doing now, but I'm like, thank you for the help. Now I understand, you know, um, that's really cool. Um, okay, you said you have no power whatsoever. We know with admissions, you have no, you're not talking to them. You, they, they completely shut you out. But are you interacting with any other parts of admissions? Like, are you seeing essays or letters of recommendation? Do you know their grades or SATs? Does any of that matter to you as you're sort of getting to know the holistic student and admitting them or not into the empty certificate? Uh, no, I don't see grades or anything like that. I would say this, you know, I know that there is, um, there is someone on our faculty who compiles our, um, sort of our feedback from watching supplementals. Yep. And then I think that they may supply it to admissions. I cannot say whether or not they actually read it. Yep. Um, but I do know we're making our best effort to, to, um, watch every single tape and yep. get to know the students. And if they end up getting in, then um, we're ahead of the game in terms of instruction. I yep. don't ever see essays. I don't ever see test scores. I don't yep. really care about any of that because yep. I'm not there to teach them to be a scientist or yep. to be an engineer. Yep. You know, I'm there to, to help develop a creative mind. 
Well, and I'm glad you brought that back up about the supplemental video because I, I did have that question of like, how does that, you know, so after you've compiled those notes, you said you send some of those to admission, how does that get communicated to the family? Is that through you? Is that through this person? Who is communicating to the family if, the, you know, if before they've decided to come to Northwestern? Any feedback, if there's any feedback on well, the- I don't think that there's anyone that contacts family. Uh -huh. If I were to reach out as a parent and say, hey, what do you think of that supplemental video? Do you have any feedback for me? They wouldn't hear from the school. Oh, we loved it. You no, got all positive I think notes. That it, I, would, I think of it as like a well that you're throwing something down into. The whole college admissions process is that. That's Truly. what I think of everything is. Yeah. 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 That's why I say don't stress out about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is the other thing. And, you know, maybe Northwestern won't like that I say this, but in terms of like being an artist, you you can you can go almost anywhere. Yep. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. You can go and you will still succeed. I know so many people who work all the time who did not do this. Yes. So it really has to do with the individual. If your kid is the kid who's like, I eat, I breathe, I sleep this, I'm writing songs all the time, all I want to do is create. I'm creating costumes and set designs. That kid is going to succeed wherever yeah. they go. Yeah. Um, it, you know, coming to Northwestern means that we're basically going to put our arms around the kid and we're going to try and lift them up over our head. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the difference. Yep. I love it. And we talk about it all the time on the pod, the sort of all the different paths. We have people who didn't go to college at all, people who went to BA programs and studied totally different things that weren't theater who are all amazingly successful. There's so many different um, ways you can get there. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about your extraordinary career um, and I guess the role that you saw education in it, right? Is there anything that you were particularly grateful to have had in your training and have under your belt, um, whether that was in college or after college, but from a kind of training perspective and educational perspective and anything you felt like that you kind of were missing out on and you wish you'd known better to kind of prepare you for the realities of the business? Yeah, I mean, I should say my arts education started when I was six because my father was a director. Uh -huh. So, and was also an educator. Um, and so I, I, I was in a household with an educator my entire life. I mean, I remember my first summer job was I was his assistant at uh, a theater camp. Mm -hmm. And so I helped him teach mime and I helped him teach improv. Like, mm -hmm. so I've always sort of been in that place of, um, of watching someone get something and watching them level up. Yep. And that is addictive. It is, and also knowing that your job is to see this person and figure out what they can't see hmm. and then supply them with a tool and hopefully they can figure out with your help how to use it. I really don't think of the, 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 the type of teaching that, you know, a lot of people think, well, students come as an, is like an empty vessel and I have mm -hmm. to put all the stuff inside of them. Mm -hmm. Incorrect. They've lived a life. They've experienced life. And what your job is to take what they bring you and say, how can I help them elevate this? And how can I give them the courage uh -huh. to elevate this? Uh -huh. So that that's always been in my background. Um, and it's, it's an addictive thing once you see it. And I'm sure you've seen it before. Um, that, I want to say my my instruction at CCM, I'm going to be very frank with you. It really did teach me a lot about it was a different time. CCM is different now. But at the time I was, you know, uh, I, I learned about being a token. I yeah. I learned how to be the either racially ambiguous person 
or, you know, uh, I, you can imagine. So, yeah. and type was also a big thing back then. Yeah. So it gave me foundational training. It gave me ear training. It gave me, um, the fundamentals in dance. I would say my dance future was great because I, I understood some fundamentals things that I did not have. Cause I did not grow up taking lessons at all. Yep. Um, and then it also, it, it gave me a little bit of credibility in the room. Yep. A foot in the but door. It's, yep. it's important to say that like you and I had discussed before, I did not graduate from CCM right yep. away. Yep. I actually left my junior year because I went to an open call for rent that had just opened. Yep. Rent had just opened when I was still in school. No, no, that one, just not, everyone no, math, no one knows. No, it's I'm fine. so old. But no, I went to an open call and I got it. And so I was on Broadway. So my senior year, my, you know, my classmates were building their showcase and I was working on Broadway. Yeah. And so a lot of my final training came as being a swing on Broadway. Uh-huh. And that was, that was like the stuff that no one can teach you. That was the thing about learning about um, stamina. Yeah. Um, I, I learned how to, how to be ready to be somebody in about three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, switching from, from character to character. There's a lot of uh, social things that you don't understand in the professional world. And I had, I mean, I, I did a boot camp in it and that, that was also really, that shaped the rest of my career. It also told me by being in rent and being a swing, it also solidified in my mind that I wanted to be a new works person. Uh huh. That well, I wasn't going to be someone who was just going to be okay with being Roxy Hart. It, yes. That was not going to be my, my, my lot in life. And how did you find that for yourself? So, I mean, cause I, I certainly understand how sort of the realities of working on Broadway can teach you some techniques and some practical things and all those things. And then if you felt like your training was more, you know, I guess the opposite of multi-hyphen, if the training was, how do I fit into a, a box and fit into this type? And I think that's true of a lot of training back in the day when we used to do it, but <laughs> how do you, I mean, now hearing the way you speak and hearing the kind of program you're creating at Northwestern and I think a lot of programs feel like they are now trying to embrace that idea of the multi-hyphenate artist and other ways to think about art and creators and those kind of things. Where do you think you learned that? So where, where did you pick that up from the world or how, how did that happen? It's hard to imagine that commercial theater taught you that. And it's hard to imagine well, that school taught you that. So where did that come from in your life? It was from being a swing. If you, if you think about what it means to be a swing, which is you study, you study, you study, you possibly get a chance to go on, but then you must duplicate what is in front of uh -huh. you. And I really do transfer that to the multiple um, productions of Annie, get your gun that you will see in Summerstock uh -huh. or, you know, like all of these things that are recreated over and over again, yep. there's a type of person who's great for that. And yep. that, and I was, what I was finding is that I would go on for someone yep. and, I was in a box and I needed to achieve the thing and I needed to do this specific blocking, but the character was saying, God, what if I was able to do X, Y, and Z? Uh -huh. And so four years as a swing, what I started to recognize was that I had more ideas and more pitches uh -huh. for the storyline and for the arc of the character that could fit into something that was already made. Uh-huh. And so and how did you I, cultivate for that for yourself? How did you um, explore that? Now you're going to originate all these amazing roles. Like where, where does that go? Plenty of people swing and then they don't find that in themselves. They don't find that next stage. How did you kind of unfurl those wings? I was bored. 
<laughs> just bored. I knew five, five yeah. tracks and I could do them all. And, you know, after four years, it was like, oh, put on this coat, do this thing. And yeah. so I was, I was bored with it. And I was like, but I love this art form. I, and when I would get on stage, I would hear and I would feel my body wanting to do different things. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait, this doesn't work. I don't know that you know this, but like I could have stayed in rent until it closed. I actually quit rent uh -huh. without another job. Uh -huh. And so after four years, I quit. And then I basically did what all other artists were doing, which I got a bartending job and a waiting yep. job. And then I just started auditioning because what I knew was that the path for me was going to be in a new work and I would have to go and find it. So then I just started doing reading after reading, trying to find the people that I wanted to collaborate with, learning along the way. Yeah. You know, readings are really great because you just got to give you a script. You got usually 48 hours and you got to yeah. make it sale. Yeah. So that was also a training ground. And then from that, you know, you build a reputation of being somebody who can who can come up with great ideas and who can make something come off the page. And then you, one day you walk into a room and you meet Lynn Manuel and then that's it. And then that's it. But, but so cool that even before you walked into the room to meet Lynn, you had to have had the bravery to listen to yourself and say, I know I need to jump off this cliff. I know I need to, to not just stay in this, in this role where I feel boxed in, but I need to break free. Even if it means I'm waiting tables, even if it means I'm bartending and I don't have immediate prospects. You, you, you actually point out something very specific, which is, I think, something that I see a lot of young artists losing, which is that internal artistic compass. Mm -hmm. um, everything comes so easily now, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that there's also this idea that uh, being bored is bad. Mm -hmm. And some of the most creative minds push towards the boredom because yeah. that's when your brain really starts to tell you the things that it's been cooking up while you were doing something else. Yeah. And that thing is something that you have to train. And that's truly why I think I'm taking the certificate program in this direction, because we need to be able to get students to have reps. They yeah. need to do this thing where they're challenging their mind artistically over and over again so that you never lose sight of, oh, this is no longer for me. I need to uh -huh. shift. Yeah. Of listening to that internal compass. Well, well, let's do that. That's my, my penultimate question is just now as you're leading this program, we talked about some of the changes that may be on the horizon. But, um, you know, when we look at the next five years or whatever, how, how are you thinking about adjusting Northwestern to continue to step into 2024 and I guess 2029, if it's five years from now, like, you know, a lot, a lot of schools obviously were kind of rocked by the pandemic um, in many ways. But do you feel or do you see positive changes having happened in Northwestern? Are there things that you go, hey, over the course of the next decade or whatever period of time, I really want Northwestern to continue to change in these ways? Oh, absolutely. I think that I can want things to change, but I do think that any sort of change and what we're what we're sort of skating around here, I think, is a cultural change. Right. Mm -hmm. The way that we look at making theater and also how we step into spaces to make theater as human beings and as citizens of this world. So I, I all of that, I can have dreams about it, but I also have to I have to move with the force of of the student and with the organization, right? And the so zero power always, that you have, the no yeah. power stuck in academia as you are. No, but yeah, but yeah. I will keep pushing, right? I'm going to keep trying to innovate, but I'm not going to go faster than we can go because then yep. I'm by myself. Yep. And, and what does that look like? What are some of those things that you go, if I could snap my fingers, what are the ways that you would go, this would be different in this way from, from now to, you know, whatever the, that, that dream is? 
we would center self. I think that the thing that makes that has made my career and that makes a lot of incredible performers careers and artists careers is that they have a sense of self. Mm -hmm. They are not trying to duplicate anything that they've ever seen before. That takes time mm -hmm. and that takes a lot of courage and it takes support, especially when they're coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. So pushing them to be perfect, pushing them to duplicate something that they've seen on YouTube or TikTok mm -hmm. as they were growing up does not service them because the thing that we probably need, and honestly, the industry probably needs is the only thing that they specifically can give us. Yep. So I would, I would center the student and their, their understanding of their artistry and what they like and what they don't like and what they dream about and put that to the forefront, not duplicating something that we've already seen. Very cool. Um, all right. I don't know how much you get to interact with parents in this process, but we have very many parent listeners. Um, yeah. Any advice you would give to parents through this process? And you kind of mentioned, hey, I, I think we got a lot of students where the mom said you have to have a, have a good academic option on there or whatever. But anything that you sort of would say to parents as they're advising and supporting their children through this process and into this career could be things your parents did well, things you wish your parents had done differently, but anything that you sort of advise to our parent listeners? I mean, I would say uh, I can only speak to the kind of parent that I am, truthfully. I, I, there's no way for me to, uh, I wouldn't give advice other than advice that I would take myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, um, you know, my kid didn't want to go to college. My kid um, is an incredible singer songwriter and a very skilled actor and was very clear that they wanted to do to go a different way. And I would say for those artists who are very clear and who have their heads on straight, if they want to take a year, let them take a year. Hmm. Don't push them because what will happen is they'll lose their drive. Mm -hmm. They'll be trying to please you. And you know what that, I mean, if we know when our parents yes. were too overbearing, what happened to us, we lose time. Actually, mm -hmm. it actually, we actually go back. We actually become less mature because we're yep. not even going on our path anymore. So I would say, listen to your kid and also don't worry. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. It's not all, if they don't get into the one school, it's okay. Mm -hmm. They're going to be okay. There mm -hmm. are so many ways in. And if you're a good parent, then you're golden. You just yep. keep supporting them along the way. I love it. All right. Well, it's a great place to wrap up. Ko, thank you so much for the time. Uh, this was such a pleasure to get to chat with you. Is there any other place where you'd want people to find more information? Do we want them to be following you on TikTok and all the content creation you're doing? Should they be looking at the school? How could people find, where should people be going for more if they want to hear more or learn more about uh, the program? I would say Northwestern, the website. Um, right now, we're in the process of creating an informal, vi uh, an informational video yep. that sort of encapsulates the things that we have been doing. So look out for that. Maybe I'll send it to you and you can Stay put tuned. it up somewhere. Yeah, we'll post it on the, the, the episode graphic for sure. Yeah. Please do not follow me on Instagram. You no, will just you can follow this podcast instead. If you have an instinct yeah. to follow KO, follow the podcast instead. Yeah. yeah. You'll just see pictures of my dog and you'll be bored. No, now that's what everyone's going to want to do. That's all they care about on the social medias. <laughs> um, this was so fun, Ko. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Oh, heck yeah. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ko. Tony-winning artist and head of a program. I mean, you can't do much better than that for a podcast interview. This is going to be a long takeaway. So my apologies if you hate the sound of my voice, but buckle up. 
then again, if you hate the sound of my voice and you're over an hour into this podcast, I don't know what to tell you, honestly. I did really enjoy learning more about those supplemental videos with KO. I know I asked a lot of questions on it, but it is really interesting to me because so often I'm asking questions on here that I mostly know the answers to, or at least from our students' perspective, I've heard some of their past experiences, so I have some good information going in. But that question surrounding the use of supplemental videos is one where I've heard such different things from our students over the years, especially in regards to that idea of feedback, which of course our students are so desperately seeking if they're dead set on going to an MT-specific program. My understanding, I think, correctly from the students and from what I've heard is that it would not directly, these videos would not directly affect academic admission at all, which it seems from KO's point of view was correct. But that question of conversation surrounding it after a student was accepted and trying to make a final decision, I have heard a lot of different things from different students and parents over the years. So I think really good to have that kind of clarity from KO's point of view at least. And that clarity, as I understand it, is that for them, there is no attempt at communication back to the family. I know that over the years, different parents and students have had really different experience in terms of what they've received back as they sought that kind of feedback, you know, with all of them asking some different version of like, you've seen my son and daughter, what do you think the chance that they would get into their certificate if they ultimately choose to attend Northwestern over whatever other school option, BFA, that maybe they know that they're into? I know that is a question that plagues a lot of our students who think they wouldn't feel happy at Northwestern if they didn't get into the certificate, much like the question of NYU with studio assignments. You know, if you think you'd only be happy at certain studios and not others. I know people who feel they've been given some small assurances in both cases of stuff like, hey, we'll take your desires into consideration. That would be more with studios. Or I think your daughter is really talented from these videos. But ultimately, there is never a guarantee in either case, right? And it is worth noting, as KO points out in Northwestern situation, some of this may become a bit more moot if there are more available classes opened up to non-certificate students, though it may still feel relevant to people depending on what happens with the showcase, et cetera. And it may still be important to you to be in an MT-specific program, which to you will feel like that's true when you're in the MT certificate. But this leads me to my larger takeaway for today, and that is springing from what I thought was a really honest part of the conversation when KO said, we have a lot of students who want to be in a BFA, but their parents wouldn't let them, which I think I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, but I think a version of that is really true. And regular listeners to the podcast will know that was definitely my parents' situation. Luckily for me, they respected the academic excellence of Carnegie Mellon and were by that point willing to bend enough to call that a compromise, even though it is truly a conservatory-style program. I think by then I'd scared them enough that like the possibility of a conservatory at a less academic university or even something that's not a university at all, like Juilliard, perish the thought, that this felt like a compromise to them at that point. But if not for that specific school, I could easily have ended up at a program like Northwestern since I had those strong academics to look at those kind of schools, and that was really important to my parents. But I think my takeaway, and, and please slather this takeaway with a whole lot of in my opinion, is that Northwestern really wouldn't have been the best fit for me. I wanted intense, everyday, conservatory-style BFA training. I didn't want to spend a lot of time learning about theater or about the world or about other educational things. I wanted hands-on technique-based training that was all about doing the craft of acting. And of course, who's to say what my experience would have ultimately been if I'd gone to Northwestern? Maybe I would have shifted and come out with different interests and desires. It's impossible to say. But I suspect I would have felt held back at that point from the intensity of focus that I personally wanted. Because basically what I'm saying is, 
no amazing reputation, which Northwestern of course has, and no incredible Broadway talents coming in as professors, K.O. and Alex, who I refer to in the episode, both as good as you can imagine from the perspective of who you would want teaching you at any program. But none of that is going to turn a BA program into a BFA-style program, which of course is not to say that a place like Northwestern can't give you amazing and intensive training. And most pivotally, I'm not trying to say that a BA program like Northwestern is inherently any worse than a BFA program like Carnegie Mellon, only that you can't squint your eyes and say, it's like a BFA, if that's what you ultimately want. And that is not to say that for some families, the idea of finding compromise isn't the correct path. Who am I to say? And it is a family decision when you talk about colleges. Though I will say, when I ask artists for advice on what they would advise parents, I'm sure a lot of you have noticed that a lot of them say some version of listen to your kids. That just basically saying, not because it's the only way, but that's what will end up happening. And you're going to have a lot of strife and heartache as you sort of try to force them into something that's not what they ultimately want. So a lot of the artists will say some version of listen to what's going on for your kids. A lot of the college faculty will notice that too. And I think maybe put differently of what I'm trying to say here is I feel I'm doing my job as an advocate for what you want as my students and my listeners in burrowing as deep as I can into the intricacies of how the certificate program admission can be affected by a supplemental video that you might film and what possible assurances of percentage gambles you could have in feeling you might get in or ultimately not get in to the certificate. I know that's really important to many of you, and so therefore I'm going to dive deep into this question. It's also kind of interesting to me. I'm interested in it. However, in truth, and what I would tell my students when they're making this ultimate decision, is that if you think you would be unhappy at Northwestern if you don't get into the certificate program, then it's probably not the right school for you. Northwestern, not dissimilar to NYU in different ways, is telling you who they are through their approach to this process, and it's your job to listen. Even if you knew you had a 95% chance of getting into the certificate or a 99% chance, if you're the kind of student who isn't interested in being the kind of dual major multidisciplinary artist that KO is describing, then Northwestern might not be the perfect fit. And to be honest, that's not to say that we haven't had many students who've applied mostly to BFAs and who were interested in BFA-style training and then ultimately chose Northwestern because of the name or because of the academic reputation and are now happy and successful actors. Of course that can happen. We talk about all the infinite paths to success in this industry. There is no one perfect program, and whatever one program offers more or less of, you're likely going to have to find ways to balance that out for yourself. I remember telling myself freshman year, you know, you're going to have to work really hard to round yourself out and make yourself a worldly person because that was something I was missing from this college experience that other students were getting. At the time, I think that led me to like choosing to read the newspaper every day. That was my big resolution. But just in terms of the way that you're approaching that question and what you're looking for in a program, is this program ideally going to be a fit for me in the way that I'm hoping it will? You know, I think my high school classmate I mentioned in the interview, she went there and studied theater and poetry and is now this cool actor, filmmaker, director, amazing multidisciplinary artist. For her, from jump, Northwestern screamed like it would be the right fit for her from the beginning. And I think she would have ultimately been really frustrated if she had attended a program like Carnegie Mellon. That's not to say she couldn't have handled the intensity of the training. She was and is an amazing actress. Of course, I think she would have done well in conservatory-style training. But I know she wanted a lot more broad-based education. And I don't think for her, just checking out the New York Times every day would have saved her. And the reason I went so deep on that, when of course some of that might be pretty obvious to those who understand the difference between a BA and a BFA, and, and the sort of depth of trying to parse out those specifics is I think that it can apply to the process as a whole too. 
Sometimes we want to try to make a program into something we wish it was versus what it actually is. You know, if we squint enough, can Northwestern's nine course MT certificate feel sort of like a BFA? If, if we hold our nose, can we make this acting program work because we love the name of the school, even if what we ultimately want is MT? Again, there are ways to supplement and always ways to create a path that works for you. But sometimes it is helpful to sit back and see what a program actually is as opposed to what we want it to be. And the other reason, the real reason I went so deep on that, and it leads me to a bit of a mea culpa here, is that I forgot to ask KO about early decision as it relates to Northwestern. I had it marked down as a question I wanted to ask them, since Northwestern is one of those very few schools in this process that do offer students the choice to do early decision. I mean, there are a few others, but mostly for MT students, it is not the norm to do ED, and we can chat more about that, certainly. Let us hope that KO would have ultimately said that they have no power over admissions decisions, and they can't give any idea of a percentage boost when I ask the question about how much of a boost it is to apply ED. I will say from what I know and what I've heard is that it is a significant boost in exactly the same way that it is for other academic applications. So it will help you numerically to apply to uh, Northwestern Early Decision because unlike a school like NYU, there is no artistic element or artistic downside, right? Whereas an NYU audition, it might not be your best artistic audition if you do it early. So you have to weigh the academic pro, which may, it may happen from the academic side of thing, with the artistic cons of going early. With Northwestern, you're getting only the academic pro and there's no artistic con. However, those questions of fit become all the more important for any listeners who are considering applying ED to any school because, as you know, early decision is binding on your end. So if you ultimately want a BFA program, even, let's say, a liberal arts style BFA, I would not recommend doing Northwestern early just to boost your academic chances. We have had students apply early for Northwestern when it was high on their list, but not at the top, which would be against our recommendation. We would only recommend if it is truly number one and you know it's number one, and then go on to get into their dream school. I, I remember one student, their true dream school was Michigan, and she ultimately got into it. And it's devastating to hear, I'm sorry, you've already committed to a different school, when a student, especially when a student learns through the process how much that BFA is ultimately their dream. We have, of course, people go, you know what, I've gone through the process, now I realize BA is my dream. But certainly we see it shifting the other direction of doing the artistic process makes them go, now I do want intense style BFA. I want to eat, sleep, and drink theater. And if you've already applied ED, you're bound to that school. Again, that is not the case for all students. And if you're a student like my high school friend, then ED at Northwestern might be exactly the right fit for you. But I just want to give those words of, of caution. And again, you've all heard this and probably sick of me saying that for audition-based programs, we do not personally recommend doing your favorites early, whether that's ED, EA, or regular decision schools that you just do early in your process, that in the process of auditioning, it does make you better and your best auditions normally are happening right now as we speak, right? Many of you seniors are right now doing your best auditions for juniors a year from now, you know, in those winter months, not in the fall for your dream schools. Okay, is that enough of a takeaway for one episode? Stop talking already, Charlie. This is like one of the few times just doing these takeaways, my voice is like getting scratchy. I need a drink of water. I'm talking too much. This episode has been lovingly produced by Megan Cordier and Kelly Prendergast, and I'm sure your ears will appreciate it after the last episode being produced by yours truly. Please write us a review so I don't have to beg you in person. Comment on our posts at Mapping the College Edition and check us out at mtca.com for more information about our coaching services. To my young artists mapping their journeys, what kind of content creator are you? We'll see you next week.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community.